Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Now, I don't know what I'm going to call this episode yet, but I'm pretty sure the title is going to be something that sounds depressing and traumatic and violent. Um, but let me just preface like before, you know, today's episode kicks off. This, I think, is my favorite uh, episode that I've recorded to date on the podcast. And I know that's crazy because I interviewed NT last week, which I thought was the pinnacle of success. But this is like a different type of success. So I'm just going to say up front, a little trigger warning. Basically, on today's episode, I have my sister-in-law, Haley McNamara, on the podcast. She's the vice president at Nicosi, which is the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And we talk about a bunch of things. We talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. We talk about Jeffrey Epstein. I talk about different celebrity cults in here. And we kind of just talk a lot about what sex trafficking is and how it happens. And I know that it seems like it's not celebrity related, but trust in me, it is. We actually have some celebrities who are involved in issues like this, like Blake Lively and Ashton Kutcher. And also, it's just a very interesting topic that I think women especially uh, need to know about. And I'm just kind of like fascinated by this weird taboo topic that none of us talk about, which is sexual exploitation and the trafficking of minors. So anyway, that's my long-winded intro. If you just want celebrity stuff, head over to the Instagram, timestamp, time, what was that? Timestamps of when I talk about celebrities post-episode will be included. But you know, I would just say wait 10 minutes because I find this stuff fascinating. So let's get into it. I am here with my fabulous sister-in-law, Haley McNamara, previously Haley Halverson, and I wanted her to come on the podcast and just kind of provide an expert lens for us when we talk about Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, sex trafficking. I feel like, I don't know if it's my For You page, it's probably on yours for sure, but there's been a bunch of videos on TikTok too of like, I feel like I'm getting trafficked or there's air tags being put on people's cars and Haley is an expert in all things this, so I really wanted to talk to her. You are your vice president, right? Yes, I am. At it, the shorthand is Nicosi, and I always accidentally call it the National Center of Sexual Exploitation, right. but it's not. It's no, on. It's on. People also sometimes say for, and we're like, no, we're yes. very much against. Yeah. Yes, the National Center on we, Sexual Exploitation. We're sexually exploiting on a national level, yeah. so it's the best. And you've you've worked at Nakuzi for what over five years, right? Yeah, close close to seven. Yeah. Oh my god. Crazy. Yeah. Was it your first job out of college? It was. Okay. Yeah. So it's very I rare. Started. For... I started in their communications department. And then got moved into corporate responsibility and ended up leading their corporate responsibility efforts. Uh, And that's like asking corporations to have better lockdowns on things like this, right? Yes. Yeah. On a wide variety. We work on a wide variety of sexual exploitation and abuse issues. One of them is sex trafficking. But we very much feel like this is a huge web where like child abuse, sexual violence, pornography, all of these things are linked together. So we want policies that reflect that. So trying to get these companies to um, have better protections, especially online, especially for kids. Yeah, because like you never arrest a child molester and they're like, you know what, I'm sorry, hold on, let me just say trigger warning. I'm going to put Yeah, that's very important. (laughs) I'll say it in the intro beforehand, but definite trigger warning for this. Um, If any of these topics make you uncomfortable, you may want to sit this one out. But uh, like I was going to say, 
it must be very rare to arrest a child molester. And he's like, oh, I've never looked at child porn. Mm-hmm. You know, like these things, like you say, do happen. And I found it so interesting. I talked previously, I listened to your speech about pornography and the dangers of it, which was something that like I was just naive to. And something else I'm naive to that you work on is like when I'm on TikTok and Instagram, I don't think what is this experience like for a 12 year old? Right. Because frankly, like we didn't have those apps when we were 12, right? Like you had Facebook when you were in high school, but you weren't privy to like all of these crazy social media things that kids have now and it's really weird we'll get into it later but all of the grooming that happens on there Mm -hmm. especially on tiktok like sometimes i scroll through there and a 13 year old girl shaking her ass will come up on my for you page and i'm just like oh my god like yeah my eyes are seeing this but what if someone else's are yes so um okay so we have a lot to talk about and what i want to start with is um everything going on with the jeffrey epstein case i really want to get your opinion on this because i know that we've talked i feel like every time we see each other over the holidays it's like a drink and just like sex trafficking and like conspiracy theories and like so so fun (laughs) yeah it's it's the reason it's the best uh holiday cheer you could ask for and i want your take because everything that's going on with the glane maxwell trial people are like why would a woman do this like was she in love with jeffrey epstein what was happening and in the trial a couple of the victims have shared stories and the theme in their stories is that their horrible experience with Jeffrey Epstein would not have happened if it weren't for Ghislaine Maxwell because they were like, I'm apprehensive to go over to this apartment or go on a trip with them. I don't want to do it with Jeffrey, but Ghislaine is there and she's his girlfriend and she's British and she's sophisticated, so I must be safe. And then once they go, they end up getting horribly abused. Why is it that women are like, always involved in these sex trafficking serial killer types of stories yeah they're very often involved in sex trafficking in a number of ways so i mean first of all it is very gendered like people of all um you know genders and orientations are abused and are abusers but also it's mostly men who are buying mostly women and i think that's also something like you know me, I am not like the hate all men type of person, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's so many guys online where if you bring up women being abused, they just go, well, men are abused too. And of course they are, but they're also typically abused by other men. Yes. Not yeah. saying that like all men are the problem, but like if you're going by statistics, like, and you had one wish and it was, do I knock out female abusers or male abusers? You'd want to knock out yeah. the male ones because you'd be taking out a bigger percentage. Yeah, you definitely would. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And and of course, we all agree Anyone abusing anyone is bad, and we want to be against all forms of that abuse. Um, But because of that, like, very gendered dichotomy in broad strokes, it is really interesting when a female trafficker kind of gets swept into a story. Um, So I am not intimately familiar with the dynamics between Epstein and is it Jelaine? I still always struggle with her name. I know what it. Maybe that's why people aren't talking about the case because her name is so. It's just confusing. embarrassing that it, I've. It's. I, I think it's French, it. so I think it's like Ghislaine. Ghislaine. But I mean, it, it sounds. It looks like Ghislaine, doesn't it? It does. Which is it like does. And awful. I'm like, but it can't be that, can it? Yeah. Um. But they. She met Jeffrey. A couple months before her, you know, powerful business mogul of a father died, and everyone basically makes it out that she was kind of infatuated with Jeffrey, but Jeffrey wasn't super interested in her. And I think that they would sometimes have 
orgies or threesomes or both participate and stuff like that. But Jeffrey was not interested in Ghislaine. He mm-hmm. just kind of viewed her as like a, oh, you're my life partner. We're doing this together. But like, I'm never going to marry you. I'm never going to like put a ring on it. Things like that. Yeah. I know in general, in most trafficking dynamics, it's very common and in like prostitution and the sex trade in general for there to be a bottom B-I-T-C-H. A bottom bitch. Yes, that's the term for it. So not the, so Jeffrey would be the head bitch in charge yeah, and Ghislaine would be the bottom bitch. Yes. And it's like a very specific term where there's like a stable for like lack, that's what often is said on the streets. It's a dehumanizing term of women who are being abused. And then there's one woman who's kind of put in charge of those women. Helps to groom them, helps to keep them in line, is kind of an enforcer for the male trafficker. And very often that uh, woman was early on abused herself herself was very often trafficked by the same guy and she has kind of a romantic well not she but he has um manipulated a very romantic view so very often that woman believes that she's in a relationship with this man believes that she's different yeah she sometimes it will be a bit older maybe she's aged out a bit Mm -hmm. and so she doesn't have to be abused hands-on as often so it yeah. is a little bit of a so maybe she's like up, oh i'm his unquote. equal now like he views me differently than everyone else it's taking the whole i'm not like the other girl's mindset to like the worst extreme possible yes. yeah Inter- yeah. I'm not like the other victims. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> like, like the other victims, even though you also were victimized. Yeah. And so then it gets into a really tricky dynamic for law enforcement because often yeah, do you penalize this do you woman? penalize this woman because in reality she's ma- providing material aid to the trafficker she's helping that but also if you look at her broader experience that's a complex situation like she also has been brainwashed and harmed doesn't everyone who abused they were also abused or like every serial killer or most of them the, the vast majority they came from a bad childhood themselves and it's like okay that explains it but it doesn't excuse it you know what i mean like it, it gives us a reason for why this happened and how we can prevent it in the future but like you still gotta you know pay yeah. pay your price and try to get justice somewhere yeah i think it's like a gray area that very often i think the answer is that that yeah that's very sad you know i i don't i'm not in law enforcement and I'm not a lawyer so I don't know if there are cases where they would say you know that she shouldn't be held liable or if she should but I think very often it's just it just gives you more insight into how that dynamic happens now is that the case with Ghislaine I don't know people did say her and her dad had a very weird relationship she was one of like six or seven children so he had a lot of children I think she was towards the youngest and their relationship, I mean, the boat that he died when he, you know, quote unquote, fell off of, he named it the Lady Ghislaine. And she was almost like his little, like, intern the entire time. They were always seen together. She would go with him. She would be on his arm at all of these events. And she was, he was kind of the business guy. And she was kind of the social charmer where, like, she would have dinner parties at her dad's place. And she would be the one taking everyone's coats, introducing people, getting drinks, like, she knows how to schmooze really well. So it almost feels like her dad died and then Jeffrey just kind of replaced that role of mm. the businessman where you're his right-hand lady handling everything. Um, 
you know, I don't know if like abuse happened with her and her father, but people did say it was it was a weird relationship. Mm. Yeah. It's just so messed up. And it's also weird, too, that a lot of the women who are with Jeffrey Epstein, a lot of the victims and things like that, it's just crazy to me these stories where, like, it was a pair of sisters, this came out in the trial, who were abused at his ranch, and the mom let them go because Ghislaine was going to be on that trip Mm. and things like that. So, I don't know. It just really breaks my heart because you have to wonder if Ghislaine Maxwell wasn't involved with Epstein would there be less victims? Probably. Yeah, probably. And that is, you know, whether she herself was abused and how that factored into the dynamic. I think it absolutely fits this stereotypical bill that yeah, yeah. a woman being there, it makes it easier to groom the victims, to kind of keep them quiet, can be kind of an enforcer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Epstein, full-fledged pervert pedophile do you think that this is something do you think people are just kind of born with a pedophile switch off in their brain do you think that they come around to this because they're exposed to it by others like what i find really interesting is all of the people that are associated with um jeffrey epstein you know they all have wives they all have like normal seemingly normal lives and Mm -hmm. things like that but they are with these girls who are like 14 15 16 like that is i just think to myself If you want to bang a hot girl because you're like a wealthy, famous guy, sure. That's your prerogative. There are a bunch of 22, 25-year-old models who are stunning. But if you're, you know, doing that with a 15, Mm -hmm. 16-year-old child, a la Prince Andrew, to me, that's something twisted. So how do you think, do you think all these people are pedophiles? I think, so pedophile is someone who's um, interested in sex with someone prepubescent. Yeah. So sometimes people will say pedophile when they're talking about a 14, 15 year old. People tried to call Taylor Swift a pedophile because she, when she was like 23, she dated Connor Kennedy, who was 17 and just turned 18. And I was like, that's a stretch. Yeah. I was like, I don't think, you know, I think that those lines are blurry, but like Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein actually wasn't, well, maybe he was because most of his victims we're around 14, 15, 15, 16. And I guess let's say puberty is around 13. Yeah. So there's a pedophile before puberty, and then there's a pedophile who probably gets off more on like sick power dynamic yeah. or pushing the boundaries. And when I say pushing the boundaries, please know that I do not mean like in a fun way. Yes. Yeah. I think so. So yeah. So whether whether we use the term pedophile, like pedophile is for people who are prepubescent. I bet that there is a term for interest in young Because I've seen in dark corners of Reddit, people talk about it where they're like, I'm not a pedophile. I'm simply a angulophile. And that means I like 17-year-olds or, you know, yeah, something like yeah. that. It's it's kind of tried, people try to excuse it. Yeah, still problematic. I think a any adult who wants to have sex with a child, which a 14, 15, 16-year-old That's is a, a child. child. Yeah. So all I mean should be illegal and condemned but that's just a a tiny thing I think a lot of many so some people are I think born with a problem in their brain where like a glitch where they are just purely only attracted to prepubescent kids and have you heard of that staircase story yes I have okay good because I wasn't sure if that was urban legend or not it might be urban legend but we've all heard of it like so I don't know if anyone else has heard of this let me know but there was a man this is the story that i heard there was a man and you know he was married to a wife he had children from the outside seemingly completely normal but he was attracted to children as in his entire life he had been attracted to children 
And I find that interesting too. When you're a kid, you could be a pedophile but not yeah. know it because you're attracted yeah. to children, but you just stay attracted to that age. Yeah. There was a very creepy Black Mirror episode that went over that. Um, so his entire life, he was attracted to children. He kept it to himself. He didn't do anything. He hated himself for it. And then one day, he's going down the stairs, and he trips on the stairs, hits his head a bunch. And when he comes to, that attraction is just completely gone. Mm-hmm. So he was brave enough to come out and be like, look, like I have to confess something like for the good of science mm-hmm. and neurology, whatever could happen. I was attracted to children, fell down the stairs, and and now I no longer have that urge. Yeah, I've heard that story yeah. too. And I don't, I'm not- But you're an, more official. So. Yeah, well, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on um, pedophiles. That would be a really hard job. Um, yeah, you but, have to go around bonking everyone in the head, being like, just in case, just, just in case, case, right here at 45 for the good degrees. Of humanity, everyone yeah. take a tumble. Um, but then, so, but, so there is, there are people who I think just have a glitch. But then there's a lot of people who don't, who yeah. end up getting into that. You also see it in even, like, now I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I always go conspiracy mindset, but even in the way that, like, guys are like, oh, I prefer vaginas to be, like, fully shaved. Like, in porn, they're, like, completely bare. Okay, like, like a child's, you know? Like, I don't want any leg hair. Okay, like, like a prepubescent child, you know? Mm-hmm. Big eyes um, and clear skin, like a child. Like, so many things. And I get, of course, you know, youth is attractive. Of course, babies are so cute. Who doesn't want to look like a baby? But there are so many things sexually that are kind of, like, childlike yeah 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 Yeah, there's there's like this weird slope that happens where in general society favoring and glamorizing youth Mm -hmm. it's like youth could be a 21 year old yeah like let's go youth yeah and then it starts to get okay especially when you start going down the pornography rabbit hole like schoolgirl, oh stepmom and stepson mm-hmm. things that are like babysitter things that are really playing jailbait just turned 18 yeah student yeah and playing have with you the seen idea that thing younger. where if you type schoolgirl into google images everything that comes up is sexual but if you type schoolboy in it's mm-hmm. just a kid in a classroom you yeah. know yeah and, and then for some people, it can keep going like that. So I think we all are kind of aware of that slope. Of, yeah. And then it can keep going. And yeah, there's the thing, like we all log off, right? Like if you're on a porn site and you see something weird, you click off. But there's a huge percentage of people that do click onto that. Mm-hmm. And then for them, the slope continues and they keep going down it. Yeah. And it keeps just looking younger and younger, fetishizing younger and younger. And, um, you know, there have been studies in general about the way that pornography impacts your brain and that it can have an escalating factor where for some people if they are watching a lot of it and maybe like at the point of are you addicted you might have a problem um it can get to a point where you need to escalate either the the amount that you're watching or you're looking for something more shocking yeah so some people are just looking for something more shocking and it could lead down a really violent road or really racist road or it could lead down a really young road one um example that i think just really shows this is so my um boss is the former head of the department of justice child and obscenity ex oh man i'm gonna mess up the name of it what's the acronym yeah um uh, is, is the Department of Justice uh-huh. um, Obscenity and Child Exploitation Division. So which, by the, the way, I had no idea that yes, existed. So that exists, which yeah. is great. And they're out there primarily focused on hunting down people who are creating 
child pornography, better termed child sexual abuse materials, because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so in the 80s or something, he remember going on busts and it was back kind of was pre-internet. So they were busting people who had magazines of child sexual abuse material. And they went and busted this guy who he was also a hoarder. So they go into his room and it's just filled to the ceiling with these magazines of child abuse that he'd been collecting over years. And as they were processing the materials, like from the ceiling going down, you know, at at the top, it was horrific abuse of children. And as they went down, by the time they got to the bottom of the floor, it was mainstream adults magazines yeah it was like a woman showing her titty yeah Yeah. and it was like just a clear like analog image of this guy started on the mainstream stuff yeah and escalated to the extreme stuff obviously not everyone does that but now with the age of the internet it's just so much easier for people to fall down rabbit trails and i've personally just in the line of my work talked to so many teenage or early 20 something year old men who said that when they first started watching stuff online, they had no idea that they would end up getting into the stuff that they got into and that they got into stuff that originally they found disgusting or disturbing, but they got, it got normalized to them. So that's even happening. Not everyone, but But for some people it escalates down that really dark path. Yeah. Um, I think it happens even to girls too. mm -hmm. Like when I did um, an Instagram poll or something where I was, uh, asking for questions and write-ins and I was like what's your experience been like with porn a bunch of people wrote in where they're like I wish I didn't discover it at such an early age I got like addicted I saw stuff I didn't want to see um and like you said of course like that is not everyone's experience mm-hmm. with it um but it does happen and I think of that story with all of the magazines piled high and there was that um actor from Glee he played like the jock or not oh, not yeah. the main jock but um and he was, you know, in a relationship with Naya Rivera and, you know, everyone talks about the curse of glee and things like that. But he was arrested with child porn. He committed suicide. And I think when he was arrested, he had over 150,000 videos. Oof. So you think of an entire room filled with magazines and that's like crazy behavior. You could put that on a flash drive in an instant. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I remember Blake Lively gave a speech for um, Child Rescue Coalition. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, you know, and good for her for speaking up about this because she was saying, like, I know it's uncomfortable and, like, people don't want to talk about it. But, like, us being uncomfortable and not talking about it is what makes this thing thrive. So, like, we do need to talk about it, put a light on it. Um, But she was saying that there was a child's oncologist who she talked to who was arrested for child abuse and they asked him how many children he had abused and it was snowing outside and he pointed outside and said as many snowflakes are there are on the ground mm-hmm. so it's just um i feel like you, you to us like to me it sounds so crazy like child porn like I, ugh, like does that really even exist but there are some people who are in it deep and it's this entire industry this entire network and mm-hmm. i think now i'm getting conspiracy related but i want us to talk a little bit about um social media platforms and which ones are kind of like most child safe and which ones are kind of most abuser friendly I guess because part of me does think that the reason why some of these social media apps aren't cracking down on it is because there's a lot of money to be made off of underage sexy children Mm -hmm. so let's start with TikTok like out of all the social media apps we have TikTok we have um, Tumblr we got Instagram we got Facebook we got Twitter we got YouTube which one would you say 
does the best job at keeping children safe and which one does the worst? It's such people ask that question and it's so hard to know. The 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 sad thing is that it's easy to talk about the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like which no. one's doing best? Oh, like you're like them... maybe Club Penguin. <laughs> yeah, none of them are doing great. Yeah. None of them are doing great unfortunately. Do you um, think here's a question. Do you think any of them do you think all of them are well-intentioned or do you think any of them are kind of purposely blowing organizations like yours off and trying not to do the right thing? I think there are individuals in all of the companies who really care and who are trying and have the best intentions. The further up the chain you get... Yeah, they just care about money, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible to me the amount of updates that get rolled out because with tons of money and time spent on market research to see if it'll be catchy, if it'll be popular, and no time spent thinking about how it might impact online safety. Yeah. Um. So that's a problem. TikTok, we have met with them. And it's kind of funny because I'll, I'm on TikTok and I see creators complaining about getting overly blocked. Um, yeah, that happens taken to me. Down. Yeah. And... Which really stinks, but I think in a large part it's because TikTok is trying to trying to do a good job of taking down especially harmful stuff, especially harmful stuff to kids. Um, and and also typically, if you get a video removed, you can then appeal, and a human looks at it, which I feel like that's nice. Um, that being said, I think it's so hypocritical. So many of my videos get removed or blocked, and then on my for you page there will be teenagers talking about their kinks or things like that. And that will be up with no joke over a million likes mm-hmm. on it. So it's maybe their heart is in the right place. But part of me thinks like, okay, I don't know. Like if somebody flags a video because it's child something, that should take priority over like, I don't know, um, you know, I'm going to flag it for harassment and bullying because you said something bad about Taylor Swift and I love her, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely inconsistent and really needs to continue to be improved. One good thing that they did do is um, stopping direct messaging for, I think it was people under 16. I like that. Um, Yeah. Which that is, and that's, I mean, we met with TikTok and recommended that to them because. Oh, and then they did it after you recommended it. Yeah, they did. Let's go, Nicole. That's encouraging. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for example, on Instagram a couple years ago, that idea came from a couple years ago. We were meeting with some trafficking survivors in Washington, D.C. about Instagram. And these girls were the oldest one was 14 or 15 and they were survivors. Like they come out of it already. And just, I just can't, they just, by the way, can I, do you need like a stiff drink after work sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know you guys, I'm sorry that these are really um, depressing conversations. This is what I look at every day. Um, My mom always says, I wish that you worked in a flower shop or did something (laughs) a little more uplifting. I wish you made scones. Yeah. Okay, so you met with the survivors. Oldest one was 14. Yes. And they just told us all about how their accounts were set to private. They were minors and they could still receive direct messages from strangers. And they just opened it up. Oh, even on a private account. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it goes to a different folder, but you still see the the incoming messages. messages. Yeah. And it was just all these messages from men asking to buy them, sending them nudes, asking them for nudes, horrific harassment. And they talked about how, yeah, basically it was through direct messages or through comments on photos that very often 
girls in their circles were first getting uh, groomed into trafficking in the first place. Um, So could you walk us through like a typical, let's say you are a 13-year-old girl and you're on Instagram. Does it start where some random guy, let's just say he's going through profiles, he's an abuser, he's a groomer, he'll start commenting on your photos. Then once you kind of have a rapport with him, then he slides in. I'm just kind of curious, like Mm -hmm. the typical trafficking victim – is there a typical trafficking victim? Like, what do they look like? Where do they live? What What do they do? Yeah, there, sadly, there's no typical trafficking victim. Yeah. It really, so it disproportionately affects um, people who are minorities and people who are of lower socioeconomic means. Yeah, that was what Jeffrey Epstein did back mm-hmm. in Florida. But it definitely could be anyone. Yeah. And it often is, you know, especially online, kids are sending out signals about their lives all the time. If they want to be validated as beautiful, if they're having problems at home, if they're popular, if they're not popular, it's really easy to groom. A thirst trap, like, come on, you see a thirst trap and you're like, there's a trap. Yeah, that's someone who wants wants affirmation. And it's really easy to study a, a child or a teen or really anyone and and figure out the messages that they need to hear that they want to hear so that yeah. you can start grooming them so whether it's yeah through comments through direct messages um sometimes someone will reach out purely online and start initiate a relationship or grooming and relationships that's it. I remember that you way. told me that and I just thought okay you groom them you meet up for coffee you kidnap them. Um, but you were saying that a lot of these times they enter into relationships with these children and then it's like, well, I'll do this for my boyfriend, for my boyfriend, and then your your you know boyfriend, aka groomer or abuser, ends up kind of becoming your pimp, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I've met with many survivors who they went home, they were trafficked after school mm-hmm. by this person who they perceived as their boyfriend and they slept in their bed at home every night. That's like, what happened with Epstein's girls. Yeah. They would bike over massage him get abused and go back home which how frightening as a parent that you know you might say well nothing's happening to my kid there i saw them every single night this Mm -hmm. week um they don't have a they don't have a bloody nose yeah you know they look fine and it's all happening in the dms of their phone so Mm -hmm. it's not like you would be able it's not like they're calling the house and on the phone talking to someone for an hour or something like that yeah so if you and i'm curious because you, you are expecting I am. So when your kid, and she's a daughter, when she yeah. gets older, are you, like, is there any rules that you're going to have in place for these different apps? Are you going to be like, I have to go through your direct messages every week or every month, or you can't do this until a certain age? Like, how do you think is the best way to protect a child from all of this? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. so, it is really scary. Folk, I'm just... My head is in this stuff all the time, and the idea of raising a daughter in such a scary world is really intimidating in so many ways. Definitely a graduated approach. Like we don't need to. I don't need to give my twelve-year-old daughter the full internet. Yeah. Um, and completely un. I don't even want the full. Internet. I know. I don't like. There's either. some things on that. When I saw two girls, one cup, I was like, okay, please no. Yeah. <laughs> Some things we just don't need to see. Yeah. So um, so I probably would start her with some kind of a dumb phone at first so she could just contact me but not have access to the internet. Yeah. And then have 
and then slowly introduce different aspects of the internet, Use par using parental controls. It is, I think, what is it called? Like dark UX or something where it's talking about how the user design sometimes is discouraging you from doing things that the app doesn't want you to do. What so, is that? Is that the same thing as when people make their cell phones black and white so it like destimulates them? Uh, no, it's oh, okay. it's more. I've only I've only came across this term because of TikTok and watching a couple of TikToks about it. Love but it. for example, what what would be specific to this is on the Apple iPhone to fully turn on all of the parental controls, it takes thirty steps. Yeah, that's like the same way if you want to cancel an iTunes subscription, it takes you 12 different clicks to yeah. cancel your subscription. Like it is very... Which by the way, it takes a scan of the face to buy something. Exactly. So it's like they know what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what a lot of our advocacy with corporations is about is make some of this stuff simpler. Help parents. Parents are so overwhelmed. That's just to turn on the parental safety controls for your iPhone. That's not app by app yeah. parental controls. And... Like, this is such a huge field. The apps are always changing. What the defaults are is always changing. How are you supposed to know? So I think in general, these companies need to make it much more clear. They need to have but wouldn't defaults. wouldn't there be monetary incentive? I mean, kids are such a huge percentage of your uh, buyer demographic. Parents are a huge percentage of your... I mean, you're really only missing out on those who are, like, ages 18 to... 30 but like 30 plus and 18 below they're all going to be interested mm -hmm. in stuff like that i just i i have to wonder and like my brain does go somewhere twisted it's like why like why not yeah why not turn all of this on and make it safe for people i i don't know i think a lot of it is money it's if you have all of your posts go public and people can see your geo yeah it's more data and more information more data that yeah. they can sell and so i think it is a lot related to money um but also you know, the younger generation, I feel like they post, you know, my mom will post maybe once a month, but the younger generation might post five times a day. So you're yes. getting a, a, a much more, you know, astronomical amount of content yeah. with the younger and, folks. And the apps are a little bit in a, a prisoner's dilemma with each other because they all want the young audiences. And if one is going to say, well, we're not going to make your um, friend less public or we're not going to let adult strangers follow you online unless you follow them first or like some kind of mitigating factor um you know maybe the youth won't flock there as much so you kind of oh, need like all of these platforms no, to agree like an adult can't follow you until you follow them first yeah because you're not gonna follow you know joe billy bob 667 if you don't know who he is mm -hmm. but if he finds you then you might follow him back but you're only going to add, you know, your aunt, your neighbor, yeah. things like that. Yeah, and there's that. incentive for young young kids want to be famous on social media, so they'll take yeah. followers from strangers. And oh, Did I tell you this weird thing that happened to me? This was when, I think I was in college. I think it was my first internship. So I was 19, maybe. I was definitely an adult at the time. But I had an internship at Glenn Beck's media company, The Blaze. Very the conservative. Blaze. It was a very interesting summer. And then the next summer, it was the Colbert Report. So it was like, you know, left, right. Whew. And well um, yeah, exactly. And then I came out. I was like, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And um, 
I was doing like social media work for them, things like that. But they had a comedy program called, I don't know, like Treehouse or whatever the fuck it was. And there was this older guy there. He was just like an older guy who worked there. He had like a wife, two kids. His hair was like gray. He had a beard, glasses, whatever. And I was interested in comedy at the time. This was like before I really got into improv and he encouraged me to do it. And I remember him adding me on Facebook and me being like, okay, this is weird. And then him commenting on my profile picture like, oh, you're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then him DMing me like, oh, you look so pretty in your profile picture. And I think I sent back like, yeah, you and your wife look pretty in yours. Then I sent it to my mom and she was like, you need to block him. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I guess that is creepy. It did make me feel weird. But the amount of balls on these guys to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to comment on this young girl's thing. I'm going to like slide. I think that's what, you know, and once again, I don't want to get it into like a male, female thing like that. But let's just say like, I've never seen a homeless woman jerking off on the subway. Like I do think that there is a little bit of audacity with men when it comes to like what I can ask a woman for, you know, sexually, romantically, smile, do this, do that. And I just feel like women don't really approach each other with that same level of like, I'm entitled to ask this. Yeah. And I think it's really telling in your story, which is very universal you were like this makes me feel kind of uncomfortable but it wasn't until your mom said no that's inappropriate block him yeah that it crystallized that thought for you because i also second guess themselves i'm like maybe he's just being nice maybe just being nice or you're young and you're like well he's complimenting me i like compliments or you know there's and that was a time in my life where like i did need someone to tell me my profile (laughs) picture looked pretty you know what i mean so like it like i really it could happen to anyone yeah so everyone blames like a 13 14 year old girl for being like kind of insecure and not blocking a guy who's being creepy to her online but the the emphasis should be on the guy who's being creepy to her online yeah. that's where the blame 100%. should lie and on these corporations that could make the apps more safe in general I think like a a graded approach based on your age having just certain things set to default is so common sense and would prevent so much harm and just to before I forget The last thing I would say on um, raising my daughter or future kids is yes, you know, I would try to lock it down and have some control, but it also isn't just about controlling like the kid's phone because they are going to be in the world wild. Yeah, that white mini van pulls up. Yeah. You're like, ooh. So having conversations with kids is really important. And I think that's something that hopefully our generation will do more. I think so. Like no one my age, their parents didn't talk to them about sex, let alone sex trafficking. And I feel like our generation is just so much more public about that stuff Mm -hmm. that those conversations will be had. Mm -hmm. Now, you were talking about things happening, you know, IRL, which of course – There are two things that I've been seeing on TikTok that I want to talk to you about. One is the story with these Apple AirTags. And I've seen about five videos on my For You page of this where girls will be like sitting in their car and they're like, I had a crazy experience. I'm just driving around. I got a notification on my phone that said like AirTag update or like AirTag attached. And they were like, what the hell is this? And they go into their phone and they don't own an AirTag, but an AirTag from Apple has been tracking their location every hour and it's like a map of everywhere that they've driven or gone and sometimes they look and it's like hidden underneath the wheel or behind the license plate or things like that and they're like I feel like this is for sex trafficking and people are trying to know my location Um, and I think in the comments you know I haven't done like research research but in the comments they were saying that they've reached out to Apple and once here's the thing 
if you find the tag, throw it in the dumpster. Mm. But some of these girls are like, I cannot find the tag on my car. So what do I do? I can't just go without my car. And there's no way that you can just disconnect it from your phone, says Apple, because the ownership of the tag comes with whoever put it there. So have you heard of people using these weird trackers to like sex traffic girls? I haven't. Doesn't mean that it isn't happening. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be true. Um, Definitely a lot of traffickers will use tools over people that they already have control over like that to, oh, to so track them. They're like, you're my girlfriend, now turn on find my friends so yes. I can see where yeah. you are. And, and so, so definitely those kinds of things are used in the course of trafficking. Also, could it be for other reasons? I think potentially, you know, could it be a stalker in general? Mm. Could it be someone trying to steal your identity? I think it could be a lot of things. Yeah, so you're saying that might fall, because I think people think of sex trafficking as like you're getting kidnapped and you're getting raped, but you're saying sex trafficking is usually more of a process of you build a relationship, you're my girlfriend, now things get insidious, um, but that track might be more of a kidnapper, a stalker. Yeah, um, everyone thinks that sex trafficking is the movie Taken. Yes. You literally get taken taken and <laughs> put in chains in a cage and i yeah. can't say that that doesn't happen which is horrific that that does happen but the vast majority of it is psychological grooming there have been studies about the methods that pimps and traffickers use and psychological grooming by far and away is the most common tactic used and just for the like the definition of sex trafficking is a sex act that Um, occurs in exchange for something of value so that could be money that could be a place to sleep that night that could be food Mm. um and it's but it's induced by force fraud or coercion Mm. so force you know you could think physical force fraud um fraud blackmail um and then coercion is much more broad and that includes the psychological Um, manipulation and yeah the psychological manipulation is what's most typical so when I hear things about that and and it's like a 25 year old and she's like I almost got sex trafficked I can't say no because stuff does happen but is that most likely based on you like if you were a predator you would probably pick a different victim and a different method not to say that it would never happen yeah um, Mm -hmm. but just statistics wise and I remember too growing up there would be stories oh my god this would be like back on Facebook or like email threads that would get forwarded to you and it would be like there's a new group going around and if you're on the highway and somebody flashes your lights at you three times don't pull over because like they will attack you and kidnap you um things like that but like you said that wouldn't it could be the force part of sex trafficking but it, it would be pretty rare yeah and if you think about it from the traffickers perspective which is a dark perspective to think about but it's much it it's so complicated to have someone who you're forcefully moving from place to place yeah who doesn't want to be there who's screaming and crying it's easier i mean st- just the idea that stockholm syndrome exists exactly. you kidnap someone and all of a sudden you get them to fall in love with you now you don't need rope you don't need duct tape you don't need anything because mm-hmm. you, you just like kidnap their mind basically yeah. yeah yeah now there was another thing going around on tiktok this was, I think, the summer of COVID. Do you remember the Wayfair conspiracy? I do remember the Wayfair conspiracy. So anyone who hadn't heard of it, there were these items on Wayfair, which is, you know, it sells furniture and, and home goods and things like that. And 
there would be these weird items that were named after human names and they were for exorbitant amounts of money. So there would be like a nightlight called the Ashley nightlight and it would be selling for $7,000. And people were like, what's going on? Like, why is this chest of drawers called Sarah, you know, $12,000 when it's just a chest of drawers? And then some internet detectives went up and they found a list of missing children and the names match which by the way the list of missing children we do not talk about yeah. how many you missing could find children. any name on that list literally yeah. any name i mean yeah benedict cumberbatch his name is probably on there somehow because there's a child with it and people were saying is this is wayfair participating in sex trafficking where you buy the ashley nightlight for seven thousand dollars but at your door it's not the nightlight it's ashley the kidnapped child um i remember sending that to you how quickly was that debunked Pretty, I think anyone who was working with trafficking survivors or in that field was pretty quickly like, yeah, that's yeah, because you were like they wouldn't do it. There was also one I saw where, um, in grocery stores or like CVS, underneath the shelves, there were pictures of people's faces and like names attached to it. And I think you told me that like trafficking doesn't happen so publicly and so operationally and organized like that it's really smaller groups operating on their own yeah you're not moving i mean goodness uh, the the second that i say something of course some extreme example is going to actually happen in real life but the vast majority majority. you're not moving people through warehouses it's and usually off trafficking doesn't require you to move them from place to place for the first thing um, but usually it's someone's walking into the kind of skeevy hotel or the really nice hotel in your town. Yeah. Um, so what about yeah. those things where um, and, you know, I, I love seeing this around the airport because I'm I'm all for the education on this where they're like how to spot a victim of trafficking in travel. And it will be like they're with someone. They are kind of timid they don't ask for much they don't look you in the eyes and i know like you said it is rare to kind of see this happening out and about but what are some telltale signs of like oh okay that's like something weird that i should like alert someone to or look out for those lists are always so tough because it is yeah they could look timid if they're not in control of their own travel documents but you as a fellow passenger i know my mom always had our passports yeah like yeah and how, how would you know that um but i think listen to your gut and i know there have been a few cases recently of flight attendants flight attendants who would notice something and pass a note to someone there's also been a few cases of an interracial family where um someone called in because maybe the parent was white and the child was a racial minority and then the parent got on social media and was really angry at the flight at like the authorities because they pulled them aside and interviewed them and just made sure that everything was okay. And I would understand for that family that it would be maybe frustrating, inconvenient, maybe a little scary to get pulled in and questioned by law enforcement. But I also think we have to decide if are we as a society going to say something though if we are unsure. So I think yeah, the choice is between being offended and being trafficked. I mean, obviously you don't want either to happen, yeah. but I feel like there's there's one choice there that is a lot more dangerous. Yeah. So so I think listening to your gut is just important. And there is a government hotline. Maybe we can put it in like your podcast notes or something. Yeah. I don't have it memorized that you can call. Um, are they good or are they like the suicide hotline? It, yeah, mixed results. <laughs> okay. Mixed results. 
Sometimes, like, maybe your local law enforcement, or, like, if you're in an airport, the airport security is probably more yeah. No, what? Let's say you are someone who's in this situation or something like that. A trafficked person trying to get out of a trafficking situation, what do you think keeps them in that situation? Like, you said those girls who you met who were being mm-hmm. DM'd on Instagram, the oldest one was 14. When did they realize something was messed up, and when did they leave, and how? Because, yeah. you know, I'm sure if you're kind of, I don't want to say brainwashed, but if you're kind of coerced mm-hmm. into it, it's going to take a while to realize something is wrong. Yeah. It's different for everyone and there's a lot of mental blocks that get put in place for example people will say so most people who are being trafficked don't self-identify as trafficking victims they think that they are just with this boyfriend and sometimes they do favors for you know his boy boyfriend's friends or something to help out their boyfriend or they think Which, that... by the way, is classic for... No one's like, I have an eating disorder. It's like, I'm just weird about food. Yes. You know, like it's so hard for people to put a label on things sometimes yes. because then it sounds serious and dangerous. Yes, exactly. Or they'll say, well, I'm a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And they think... And some people are actually being trafficked, but they're self-identi- they would self-identify that way. First of all... Anyone under the age of 18 is by definition a sex trafficking victim. So yeah. it's impossible to be um, a yeah, child sex worker. Yeah, I'm a 13-year-old sex, sex worker. Yeah, it's it's imp- like that you're a not. trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. And end of story. You can't even debate that. Um, and but or, or think about like domestic violence uh, victims where they're staying with a husband or a partner who they love they have these genuine feelings for and to recognize your trauma while you're still in it is so psychologically difficult yeah and paralyzing i i just think we don't talk about that enough so it's very difficult while you're in it very often people so it's so it's different for everyone how they get out of it there's also um with nowadays they'll have a lot of not only shame keeping them in it maybe threats about will tell your family or threats about violence to their family or friends but also hey we have videos of you and we have photos of you doing this stuff and we'll put it out online if you don't go if someone starts thinking about leaving so it's very it's very difficult it's different different for every survivor how they get out i have to be honest i don't think i would have if i got into that situation where i feel like anyone could i don't know if i would have the backbone to get out you know Mm -hmm. like i mean i've never been blackmailed before in my life i don't know how the fuck i would react to that and it's so funny like we all watch these tv shows and movies and you're like just go to the cops and it's like okay but if it's you in that Mm -hmm. position you know like I even think of those hostage situations where it's like, if you go to the cops, we're going to kill your child. And then I just think like, I would probably give them the money. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's really scary. And it's like, you're probably being bought by cops too. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, or a judge or a can lawyer. We talk, can we talk about that? Yeah. So, the, and it makes me so frightened. Like, I am so glad that there is a government hotline, but I also know for sure that the FBI gave Jeffrey Epstein a sweetheart deal. Like, that was the government that did that. And when they found all of the files in Jeffrey Epstein's house, um, this was the one in New York, they already had FBI tags on them. So the FBI had already looked at it and said it was good to go and not done anything and handed it over. So it's just like it... Like, I don't want to freak anyone out and be like, we live in a completely rotted world. But so many of these people, I mean, just the fact that Jeffrey Epstein was hanging out with politicians, like, 
who do you go to? Mm-hmm. Like, who do you go to? It's got to be so scary. Yeah, it's it's really scary. And I mean, the best things that you could do, I think, would be if there's either domestic violence or trafficking shelter or group in your area. Yes, um, those trafficking. Have you watched the uh, TV show Made? No. So it's, you know, I, I won't give anything away. I'm only a couple episodes in anyway, but I watched it on a plane and you know how you get emotional when you watch things on a plane. Mm-hmm. I was crying. I went home, I made five bags of things I had to drop off at a woman's shelter because I was like, God bless these women's shelters. Mm-hmm. And it basically, you know, follows this girl. She ends up working as a maid, but she leaves this abusive place with her young daughter and she has nowhere to go. You just feel for her so much. She goes to this domestic abuse woman shelter and it's far away nobody knows where it is it's safe nobody can find you you get your own little apartment everything's provided for and it's just like such a moment of relief in that show for someone who needs Mm -hmm. it and i remember being like fuck like i have all this shit pr packages from like i don't need any of this stuff i want to like give it to someone Mm -hmm. else like whether it's like a meal or whether it's like you know a fun dress to wear out because you haven't had a fun dress to wear in a bit and it's just like thank God that these groups exist. And even Nikosi, because like if Nikosi didn't exist, I wouldn't feel good going to the government or the Mm -hmm. cops or anything like that. I would probably reach out to a woman run Mm -hmm. organization. Yeah, that's that's probably the best thing that could be done. And, you know, I mean, if anyone's looking for somewhere to donate to, those are the kinds of organizations that are really important to donate to because – Especially, so there's a, a larger number of domestic violence shelters, which often end up serving trafficking victims, much smaller number of shelters for specifically trafficking survivors mm. who do have a unique set of trauma and needs. I'm just always for the more personalized the care you can get to recover from things like yeah. th- this kind of trauma, the better. So, you know, they often end up both places, but they go in and out. Um, of business or operation often very frequently just because of lack of funds and at one point this was maybe this is a couple years old so hopefully there's more there were only 18 beds in america for male survivors of trafficking specifically only 18 in the whole country and i hope you know i pray that that has improved yeah. in the last few years because but as that's hard how as dire is, some of these yeah. resources are and that's what mm-hmm. they say male males who are abused or raped or trafficked like the society like societal on it onus or whatever is already on like you're a woman you get help but like you're a man like find a different way out mm-hmm. like this isn't for you and like that's so messed up yeah good god yeah so we need just all all of the resources possible to go towards not only not only the uh recovery aspects so vital and then also the prevention because there's always a new stream of people who are being abused in in these ways so yeah yeah it's very it's very disturbing and so many of so many ways the internet's just made all of this so much worse like you were asking me a bit earlier about apps and what social media sites are good or bad they all have different harms or vulnerabilities really of things that they could be doing better just to help people um especially who don't have the privilege of involved parents who understand technology people who may be a bit more vulnerable um but also there's so much still that just needs to be invested in like live streams right now on most social media sites they are not automatically scanning those with ai in any way to stop 
um, child sexual abuse material that's on there. But you know what? They scan it for other things. Mm-hmm. Like TikTok, if you pull out a fake gun, they'll kick you off of live. Um, and I think Doja Cat was like smoking and they gave her an alert, like, be careful of this. So they know how to do it for yeah. certain things. And s- some apps will um, try to automatically take down any nudity. Okay. So that helps. That's good. Not all of them do that. But I mean, it's just like, we know that this technology is out there. And like you said, we know that the funds are out there. The programming hours are definitely out there. It's just that like, dude, I've, I've worked for tech companies my entire life. When you build your roadmap, you think about what is the priority that is going to make this company money. Mm-hmm. And that just must not be on everyone's roadmap, which is yeah. like ridiculous. Like Instagram came out and they, it seems like they're backtracking. With the idea of Instagram for kids, like for yes, I remember kids that. Under which, 13. by the way, you get on there as a pedophile, and you're like, I'm in a candy store. Yeah. I'm in a virtual candy store. It's an immediate yeah. magnet. Yeah, and they announced this without any due research or diligence of talking with people who are working with kids in the abuse industry. Anyway, it's great that they walked it back, but it was basically because child safety organizations made a fuss. Yeah, you know, so. I don't know. It just needs to be so much more of a priority. And it's not like, I'm sure they roll that out with the best intentions. Like obviously Instagram for kids, but I think it just shows how backwards people are doing things like just thinking money first, data first, content first. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, safety has to come up. Do you think that any, God, I have so so many questions. One, do you, do you think that any app is going to be sued? Like if you get groomed, on instagram through the dms are you able to do anything to that app or is it just like you know it's all those user terms and agreements that we just scroll down and press yes to so the answer is yes and my organization is suing one of these companies oh my god wait can you tell us yes i can so um so our organization is part of a lawsuit against twitter okay on behalf of two young boys who uh, were trafficked, abused, videos of their abuse um, were taken. And so they were young, young teens, I believe, when this happened. And then a couple years later, they were in high school. They'd gotten out of the trafficking situation, thank goodness. Um, And then the videos surfaced on Twitter. Of their abuse. Of their abuse. And so they reached out to Twitter um, asking them to take it down. Not only was it non-consensual video of them, um, and it was explicit, but also they were minors still at the time, and the video was from years earlier. And the boys even showed like their learn. And TikTok got back to them, not TikTok, sorry, Twitter. Twitter yeah. Asked them to verify that they were underage. You know, they verified that they were underage at the time of reporting, and the video was from. And it's just, it, Twitter's getting back and saying, verify this. You have an open line of communication open. It's not like, it went to spam and yeah. I just didn't see. Yes. And Twitter got back to them and said it didn't violate their terms of service. What, how, how the fuck is that possible? Yeah. It, is it, do you not call it child porn if it's obviously not? Like, is yeah. child porn the okay I, thing to call there's it? There's been a movement lately towards calling it child sexual abuse materials. Okay. Um, just because... The idea of the child porn, a lot of people feel like it's euphemistic. It's covering up what's actually happening. Yeah. It's it's footage of a crime. So like a child like porn abuse. star doesn't exist. So yeah. 
child's so sexual people, explicit material. Yeah. So some people say CSAM for short sometimes. CSAM. Okay. To be, you'll be really in the know if you know. Yeah. To, that's to all recognize CSAM. a fellow person into this. So they say that they have a zero tolerance policy for CSAM of, mm-hmm. of any kind. So that's what their policy is. But in practice, they let it stay up. And I think that, you know, you could wonder, I mean, the video got over 60,000 views. <gasps> oh. Like it was, I mean, it was horrific for the poor boys. They were like bullied at school. Like people in their schools started passing it around. Oh. And it definitely generated traffic and some profit for Twitter because they profit off of traffic on their website. Um, so we're suing them um, for knowingly b- uh, facilitating and likely profiting from tra- and also lying not upholding their own values that they say that they uphold which um it just pisses yeah. me the fuck off that so many tech companies do that yeah so many another the, just a quick example yeah. is google search results there have been so many cases of trafficking victims who've come to us our organization has a law center that provides um services to survivors against institutions that have facilitated their abuse and uh, so many, so many survivors who've come saying, you know, uh, pornography or non-consensually produced content depicting their trafficking or depicting abuse is showing up in Google search results associated with their name. When you Google their name, these images are showing up. Horrific. You're trying to move on with your life in any capacity. And I've heard it's, I mean, even when celebrities, Khloe Kardashian tries to take away her photo or uh, Beyonce wants her Super Bowl photo removed where she looks ridiculous, it's really hard to wipe something off the internet. Mm -hmm. But you would think that if it's C-Sam. C-Sam, yeah. C-Sam, then Mm -hmm. Google would make an exception, like this whole idea of like freedom of speech on the internet. And I say this as someone who adores freedom of speech, but like, no. Yeah. So, so what happened when they reached out to Google? Um, which, by the way, notoriously hard to get a hold of people at Google yes. and YouTube, which, you know, are, are one and the same. But I feel like it's easier to reach any support desk. To get someone to talk to me from Google about my own Google business account I had, I had to create a fake Google business. I literally had to create a fake business. Mm-hmm. So then that way I could get somebody's email address. Like, they just, they're like, help center articles, help yeah. center articles. So... Yeah, it's incredibly hard to get through. Yeah. Um, often, it's like actually sending them Which, by the way, letters. can I just say, I know so many fucking people in New York City. Oh, I'm going to have to get my outlet. Um, Who work for Google, and they're paid out of their ass to do nothing. So I know that Google has the money for a call center. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous to think they don't. I'll be right back. I'm going to get the plug in. Okay. Yeah, so okay. We were Google. talking about Google. Yeah, so how did they reach out to Google to get those photos taken down? So them trying to reach out on their own doesn't really lead to anywhere. That's why they contact our law center to get a legal letter sent. And it, I, I don't know how much I can say yet. Definitely keep, in, if you're interested in this, follow our organization because I think there oh yeah, what's the best to come? I'll link all of this after, but like the Nicosi Twitter um, newsletter, what, what's the best way to stay abreast of all this? Best endsexualexploitation.com. And then if you sign up for our emails, you'll definitely get all, get of, the, the, yeah, okay. all of the info. Um, but I, I'll just say a lot of these companies are erring on the side of leaving content up unless it can be proven that the content was non-consensual. That drives me insane because, like, 
in so many cases where girls are sexually assaulted or raped, especially like if you get, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, I'm getting heated, but like if you get raped by a fellow student at college, good fucking luck trying to prove it, even though we, there isn't a friend of mine I know who hasn't had an issue with sexual assault. And if you have to prove it and like, it is so hard, even Taylor Swift sued that guy who grabbed her ass Mm -hmm. at a meet and greet because then he like sued her. So she like countersued him or something. There is a photo of him grabbing her ass and they're like, I don't know if it's evidence. And Prince Andrew is with 17 year old Jeffrey Epstein victim. And he goes, that photo could have been photoshopped. And it's just like, it is so hard to prove these things. It's an actual picture of it happening. What, What other proof do they need? Yeah. And maybe put the onus of proof on the other person, the other not person the victim. To prove it was consensual. Yeah, because you can't prove lack, like proving lack of consent. What does that mean? What would that look like? Yeah, someone screaming no. Sometimes there are videos of people screaming no because it's a kink and they have a different safe word. Like how yeah. are you supposed to look at this as someone un- uninvolved and no? So. Um, yeah, so I, I think we need a major overhaul in like all of our um, like online companies to have a policy of believing the person reporting that something is non-consensual because it, if it's sexually explicit. Who the fuck reports something just to get their rocks off, you know? Like everyone's like, oh, she reported the rape just for fun. Or like, oh, you go on Google Image and you don't like a picture of yourself, so you say that it's child SME or whatever. Like... And that's that, not that how doesn't copy- happen that often. And copyright yeah. works with, by default, take it down and prove that you have the copyright. Yeah. So maybe we should treat like women's bodies or people's bodies in general the same way with these with these videos. And that goes down like a whole other rabbit trail of there's this huge problem in like the pornography industry right now of people being People trafficked. trying to get their videos off of Pornhub, right? Yeah. Um, there have been so many, you pointed this out in your speech, I've seen so many different articles of 14-year-old girls or abuse, actual rape happening on Pornhub and trying to get that video taken down, you'd have better luck getting to Mars. Yeah. It's just impossible. They leave it up, even after being told. They leave told. it up, and sometimes they make it a featured video mm-hmm. or suggested in the search. There was, oh my God, I remember this title. It drove me wild. There was a woman in, I forget which country, but she was a burn victim or she had been stoned or it was something like she she had been brutally brutally abused and she was in the news for this abuse and she was abused and raped and i think it was filmed and her name was mm. the trending search that people were looking up and it was auto suggested if you went to the search yeah. bar because so many people were searching for the name of the woman who had been abused raped and filmed because they wanted to see that video and Pornhub was the one suggesting it as, mm. here's something that you'd maybe like to check out. I, I mean, rotted. Yeah, like, it's horrific. Yeah. It's like any of these websites that have user-uploaded gener- user content, they don't have any real mechanism for verifying age or verifying consent in those yes. videos. Yeah. There's no metric that is like reasonably able to identify those things. Um. And so that's a huge problem. And that's where a lot of um, CSAM or videos of rapes um, or videos of just people drunk who don't know, just non-consensually created or shared content. They just I don't know, know people who are filmed without their consent yeah. in high school or in college and that video gets around. And just imagine you're just someone at a party, you know, 
I don't know, sucking a guy's dick. Somebody takes a video of it, puts it on Pornhub. You can never get it off mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. You have no idea who you meet in person who could have seen you doing that. And like, it is so not fair to have that up there. Yeah. And then there's also abuse happening. So it's like there's the user uploaded content. And then there's also abuse happening within like the supposedly legitimate like production companies. For example, yes. girls do porn. Um, it was a trusted like partner of Pornhub. They yeah, probably like channel. Checkmark or whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. So supposedly as legit as it kind of can get. They um, had women come to hotels. They plied them with drugs and alcohol, manipulated them, coerced them into signing contracts in order to do um, pornography that they thought was only going to be shared with like a very select group of people, never posted it online, they were promised, and it was put on um, Pornhub. And they have successfully sued the Girls Do Porn channel. Um, and I believe that the one of the main producers for that channel has been or is being pursued as trafficking. For, mm. for trafficking them because that is what it is. So the it's coercion, fascinating yeah. to see. It's like on both sides of the spectrum, both user-generated content, but then also like the industry itself, like someone could sign a contract and be a trafficking victim. Someone can be coerced into signing yes. a contract. So it gets really complicated and messy. And there aren't just enough mechanisms to check, to make sure that someone's fully consenting, to remove content if it's reported as non-consensual. It's such a mess. And I feel like people, when I did that thing on Instagram where I was asking people for their opinions about porn and such, I did have, you know, maybe about 10% of people writing in and being like, look, I fully support sex workers. This this is a group that I follow that I like or a couple that puts out content. And of course, like, you know, there there is porn that's done ethically. There is sexual content that's completely like ethical and people who just enjoy doing that and there's no coercion whatsoever. Um but I almost think of it as like the vegan factory farming thing, right? Where vegans will be like, do not eat meat. Like all of this is awful. And people will be like, but I know someone who raises chickens. And it's like, people do raise chickens and those chickens are very well taken care of and they love their life. And that's the way things have happened forever. And I'm sure it's great. But then you add the industry aspect of it and 99.8% of all meat in the United States comes from factory farms where those animals are not happy. And it's like, there is porn out there where like, you know, I'm sure these women, I don't know any sex workers myself, but I'm sure these women are empowered and I'm sure that they like what they're doing. And um, there are people out there where they're like, I'm just a couple and like we like people watching us. So like together we make these videos, but that is not the majority of what exists on Pornhub.com. I would yeah. say the majority is um, is not on the right side of history is what I would say. Yeah. And people people want to have like a broad... People want to believe that it's fine. I, I like your I like your analogy with um, veganism and with the farming industry. Yeah, because people Cause don't like, want to think about it. They see a it's like a very good analogy actually because you see a like steak or whatever and it has a photo of a happy cow in a green field in it and people yes. are like that's what I'm getting. Yeah, and that's a lot of the times people what people are thinking. For example, with the OnlyFans thing, a lot of people are saying, oh well. It's a cow in a green field. They're own, they own the content. They're in control of the of it. This seems like 
it should all be fine. But there have been cases of people being, many cases of people being trafficked, producing OnlyFans content. Yeah. And someone watching that content has no idea. Because they probably think it's on OnlyFans and OnlyFans was branded as like one of the good guys now. And OnlyFans has no, also, this is a dirty secret, has no meaningful age and consent verification metrics. Yeah. There have been minors found on OnlyFans. Yeah. There was like a, um, a really, some really great articles to read. The BBC has done a few exposés about um, abuse on OnlyFans, including there was a whistleblower from OnlyFans who said that sometimes their company would be alerted that content was trafficked or underage, and the whistleblower claimed that sometimes that content was left up or the per- or the account was given extra warnings uh, because it was but it wasn't was removed for being yeah, yeah illegal. If it was profitable, so yeah, so it's like you just you can't trust the photo of the happy cow in the field because yeah, and that's and that's what what people want to do a lot of the times but so much of this just goes and i and i hope people know we say this with all the love in our heart i feel like there's such a reputation too especially if you say you're anti-porn people are like oh my god well then you're anti like everything and i think um what is it the 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 account fight the new drug Mm -hmm. which is anti-porn where they're like we're not against love we're not against masturbation we're not against sex we're against uh you know porn taking over your life or you know watching things like that where it's like I feel like so many people are like, if you speak out against trafficking, then like you you hate sex workers and you hate masturbating and you're trying to take control of my life. And it's like, I hate that the narrative goes there because you should be able to say that like sex trafficking should not exist without people being like, but let me masturbate at home. And it's like, that is a, I am not talking about that at all, you know? And if you think those two things are linked, then that might be a problem. (laughs) They're different conversations. Vastly different. And I mean- you know, I, I, I get a lot of criticism for criticizing OnlyFans, but OnlyFans is, should be criticized, I think. Not only for the fact of there is abuse that's on there, but also there's no real safety mechanism for the people who are producing con- like explicit content on there. These, these are human beings with dignity and rich internal lives, and I want well for... The content creators or the or people who are being abused or who aren't being abused on these platforms but i just think so you know i don't mean this in any way negative on the individuals what i'm criticizing is the system yeah and like we could do better yeah with with our systems well it's also mm-hmm. insane too how um have we seen that tweet going around where it's like Every, every year you do your taxes, you have to figure out how much money you owe the government. And then if you got it wrong, they come back and get you for all the money that's worth. And it's like, okay, well, damn, bitch. Like, if you knew how much I owed you, why yeah, didn't you just, just tell, tell me, me. <laughs> instead of me trying to do it myself, getting it wrong, then owing you money? So it's like, yeah, um, I just feel like these companies, all of these tech companies, they know exactly how to block you off the platform. They know how to get you your password, how to unget you your password. If you're next to someone in a grocery store, they can suggest them for mm-hmm. you as a friend. If I say the word camping tent next to my cell phone, it will serve me an ad. So it's like, motherfuckers, you have this technology, but suddenly when it comes to safety of consenting individuals or children online, it's like, oh, I'm blind. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like you can't fool me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I know I've, I've kept you here for far too long. Thank you so much for everything. 
before we head off, like if people are listening to this and they want to know more just about like what's going on or are there any like movies, documentaries, talks, books Mm. that you would be like, oh, this really shines a light on what's going on? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, so our website is endsexualexploitation.org. If you go there and you click on like law center, somewhere on the homepage, you'll be able to get to our law center, which I think is sexploitationlawsuits.com. I can send you the link. So if you're someone who has had your abuse facilitated by an institution, or if you just need other resources, reach out to us and we can try to direct you um so if you yourself have had that also rain is a really great resource yeah if i've heard good things about rain. things like this like please reach out to someone or if you know someone who you're concerned about reach out to them or reach out um to rain for support um so that's really important regarding porn i haven't watched this but people talk about hot girls wanted that documentary yeah that's i think that's a pretty good documentary it is it's um a little bit more explicit like they're not showing pornography but just be aware like slight trigger warning if you don't want to see kind of graphic imagery but i think that's a really good one fight the new drug has a lot has some mini documentaries and a lot of great youtube videos where they're interviewing like former performers um about what it was like being in the industry um the book paid for by rachel moran um is a really great book that's more about the sex trade in general um but keep keep searching for it and also i know that these topics are so depressing i always feel bad like <laughs> i know i'm like, thinking of what i'm gonna drink after this I know. so so depressing <laughs> the good news is that so many people do actually really care about these issues and there are a lot of improvements that are being made and i think we're in a bit of we're approaching a bit of a tipping point where a lot of people are having common sense and realizing age and consent verification should be a thing basic protections for kids online should be a thing like i i feel like gen z is is pretty on the nose about all of this stuff that's just the vibe that i get even the epstein thing right like of course the news isn't covering it as much as i want but like people are talking about it and it's an uncomfortable thing to talk Mm -hmm. about and i just feel like that's the first step is like I don't like we're we've moved into this the space where like at work right you could talk about gender issues race issues LGBT issues um, we're even having you know non-binary bathrooms and things like that but this is kind of the last hurrah of like if you bring up sex trafficking or you know child mm-hmm. porn or anything like that um, people are going to be like no no we don't talk about that here and I just feel like the first step is like. You should be able to have this conversation with a neighbor or, you know, it's not the most fun thing to talk about over happy hour, but the more you act like, I don't know, it's like this weird taboo thing to talk about. Well, guess what? Like the more taboo you make it, the more it gets to exist. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's just, um, you know, it's uncomfortable at first. The first time I heard about it, I was like, whoa. And now you and I like talk about this all the time, <laughs> not in like a jovial way, yeah. but um. I don't know. I just feel like it's a good first step. Yeah. It's good to break break the stigma. It's it's so important. So, yeah. Oh, and lastly, just with the celeb spin, you know, Blake Lively is a spokesperson for Child Rescue Coalition. Ashton Kutcher founded Thorn, mm-hmm. which is also anti-child um, porn and mm-hmm. materials like that. Are there any celebrities other than those two that you know of that are, like, working on this? Or do you have any opinion on Blake or Ashton? Great 
question. I don't know. There's there, those would be if you ask me what celebrities are working on this. Those would be the first two that come to mind. Yeah, not a lot are chomping at the bit to take on child yeah. <laughs> exploitation. Which, if anything, how crazy, they're like, this should be the stuff we can rally around. Like we should be able to, at minimum, say children should never be exploited and adults should never be exploited, and we should have age and consent be key factors. Like, yeah. Even if you disagree on if you think all pornography is bad, if you think most of it's, if, you, if you're if you okay with pornography, whatever your different views are on these things, at least saying that, like these clear examples of exploitation, we can all agree are harmful. Yeah, so. like child exploitation is not like a two-party issue. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like at least 99.9% of the world is like, not, I'm not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. So like, I find it crazy that we don't talk about it because it really does all bond us together because we all fucking hate it. Yeah. So I've got, so even though these, these are so dark, I have some, I do have a lot of hope. And I think the big tech companies are starting to wake up. I think they're starting to care. It's still piecemeal. Also at the end of the day, they are at the mercy of its consumers. So I feel like the more of us that ask for this, like I, you know, I said that things that make money are put on the roadmap, but it's things that make money and what the consumer wants makes money. Because if you aren't pleasing the consumer, they stop using your product. So I do think that if the majority of us say that this is kind of a a stake in the ground that we want, tech companies have to listen Mm because they they do have to please the consumer at the end of the day. Yeah. And they do. I mean, if you ever see this kind of stuff, I mean send in complaints to the companies too because that makes a big difference and sometimes we have this annual activism campaign called the dirty dozen list it's going to be released for next year march um 2022 that's crazy that's around the corner um so the dirty dozen list we named 12 companies that facilitate some form of sexual exploitation abuse some of its trafficking some of its child abuse some of its other aspects um but one of the things we do is we have forms where people can go and sign petitions or they can send emails directly to the companies and it's wild like for so a few years ago we got a number of hotels like hilton worldwide and a a couple other to stop selling on-demand pornography in their hotel rooms um and largely because at one point i think it was hilton hotels called us because they were receiving like a thousand emails a week from people through the dirty dozen list campaign Mm. and then that had so many trickle down effects like at one point i met with a survivor who said that she had been trafficked in those hotels and whenever she was trafficked there guys would put on the pornography and make her reenact what was happening on the screen Mm. and she said when she first went to that hotel and saw that they were no longer selling that it was the first time she thought, oh, maybe there's people out there who care about people like me. And maybe this isn't just a normal thing that I'm caught up in. Yeah, like it feels like you finally have someone in your corner. So it's like all of these things, they make a difference. But so speaking up, even being the person who's sending in a complaint email, and yeah, it's probably going to a Girl, get get your Karen on. (laughs) But it can be done for good. It can be done for good. Yeah. You do have a voice, even just as an individual out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God knows how much I bitch. Imagine if my bitching was put to good use. (laughs) All the things that could happen. Okay. Well, thank you, Haley. And um, anyone who's interested in any links of what we talked about, everything's going to be either in the episode description or in the um, Instagram caption about this. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And sorry, (laughs) have a a strong (laughs) drink. (laughs) Everyone have a relaxing rest of your day. And thank you for tuning in. 
All right, I guess this is going to be kind of a long episode because now we're going to get into the post-episode celebrity issues and items, which I was talking about over on Instagram. The very first thing we need to talk about is Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra are now parents. They recently welcomed a daughter via surrogate, um, and they announced this on Instagram, and it really just... (laughs) I'm sure it blew you away. It blew me away. It like knocked me off my feet. Um, I think, you know, we just weren't expecting this because, you know, we didn't see any pregnancy or anything like that. Although I will say I watched the Jonas Brothers roast and that whole joke that Priyanka made where she was like, Nick and I are expecting to get drunk tonight. That hits a little bit different. And I always think it's funny when people are like, I want to be dinks, dual income, no kids. I'm like, I actually want to be whatever acronym stands for uh, zero income, multiple surrogates, and you won the lottery. But, you know, whatever, dinks. I just think, you know, I think if you're a celebrity and you can have a surrogate power to you, I think that's the move. Now, a lot of people wanted me to talk about the whole PR relationship of it all. I think when people think about PR relationships, a lot of people do think of Nick and Priyanka. Do not say anything about race. I think people do not think that they are a PR couple just because they're an interracial couple. The reason that most people think that they are a PR couple, there's a few things. One, there's a big age gap. Two, their relationship started really quickly. Three, their first date was at the White House, and their second date, I believe, was at the Met Gala, which is just a very PR way to start off a relationship. You know, most celebrities try to hide their relationship a la Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader for like a year before they go public. Nick and Priyanka did the opposite. Also, their wedding was sponsored heavily. Every single part of it from the jewelry down to Nick's bachelor party was sponsored content, sponsored content. I think that's why a lot of people, you know, thought that this could be a PR relationship. I thought so too. But as I've said before, and I will say again, the minute there's a baby or a child involved, I just kind of stop talking about PR for that couple because I think the odds of them being PR are a lot less likely. And also, you know, I think it's just uh, I think it's just a respect thing, you know, like I will happily rail against Tom and Zendaya not being PR because they're dating. Once someone gets married, I still think that it could be PR. But once there's a baby, it's like, okay. That's not the hill I'm, I'm going to die on. So we'll see what happens with them. I'm sure their baby's going to be beautiful. I hope that all of the daughters start a band. I think that would be freaking iconic. But that's just the news. Let's move on. Up next is the Kaler news. You guys are probably as confused as I am. This is a massive saga. So there was a blind item that came out January 21st, and it said this, quote, and it was on Crazy Days and Nights. It says, quote, a first step a baby step, the A-plus lister and the illiterate model who codes, aka Carly Gloss, had a text back and forth for about 15 minutes over the weekend, and then it was revealed on the site, which normally means that NT puts some legs behind it, as Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss texting each other for about 15 minutes. Now, a lot of people at first were like, there's no way this could be true. How do you know that people text each other? And it's like the same way that you know if Demi Lovato is doing drugs or if Justin Bieber is cheating. You hear about it from people, you know? I I don't think this is an issue of, you know, NT or someone hacking somebody's phone. If two people in a texting conversation mention it to someone else, the minute you talk about that to someone, you know, we've all been in middle school, it spreads like wildfire. Let's say Carly mentions it to her hairdresser and her hairdresser tells someone, you know, whatever. Now, the blind is one thing. We don't know what they were talking about. But we wonder, could it be 
either a breakup or an engagement. That's everything everyone has been talking about. Breakup or engagement, breakup and engagement. We have uh, the celeb memoir book club girls and Dumois on one side saying there's going to be an engagement coming up if it hasn't happened already and it just needs to be announced. And then we have NT on Crazy Days and Nights and other blind items saying this has been PR from the start and they're going to break up. I wish I had the answer and I wish I could tell you. All I know is that I am fully erect (laughs) and also I am split 50-50 on if it is engagement or breakup. And people have asked me, we now have a subreddit, so head over. The name of the subreddit is just Fluently Forward if you want to like talk about the episode um, after they air. We have like discussions on there. And people were talking about the blinds over on Reddit and somebody was like, okay, Fluently Forward all of these blinds there's like 12 different blinds saying that this relationship is pr but you believe in joe why here are the pros and cons for each side and then you can pick and i feel like i feel like we should bet or something i feel like everyone should put like a two dollar bet in and then people win the pot based off of what happens because we know something is coming reasons why she may not be with joe first of all the kaler of it all things like that secondly a lot of blind items saying that joe was obscure and he was picked to be a pr boyfriend for that reason his obscurity was a plus also beyond the blinds has mentioned joe alwyn being a kevin spacey boy i'm just going to direct you over to their patreon if you want to know more about that saying that this could be mutual bearding so that is the no joe kind of arguments The pro-Joe arguments, at least from my side, I think he looks exactly like Carly Kloss. So I think that that's why they dated. Also, this sounds, I sound so crazy, but like, whatever, it is what it is. There is a tarot card reader on YouTube. I've talked about him before. His name is Antphrodite, A-N-T-P-H-R-O-D-I-T-E, like Aphrodite, but Ant for Anthony. Anyway, he does tarot card readings on pop culture and celebrity topics, and he has been right literally 100% of the time. He did a really cool reading on Alyssa Violet's breakup and she actually saw it and she commented like, it's freaky how everything that you predicted has come true. And she said that a year later. So there you go. Anyway, he did this reading on Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn where he was basically saying, oh God, and it really did line up with some lyrics. He's like, they are together and Joe does not put up with any of Taylor's shit. And that is why she is so interested in him is because she's so emotional and crazy and drama. Um, and if she wants to start a fight or she starts like, you know, poking at Joe for something, he's the type of guy who will be like, you know what? You're acting out. I'm just going to see you tomorrow and we'll talk later. And he'll just leave. And I feel like Taylor does reference a lot of that behavior in her songs. Ant was kind of saying that Joe's like a quiet dom daddy or something. And he was just saying that no one has ever not put up with Taylor's shit before. And she loves it. Like she finds him such a man, such quiet confidence. She's obsessed with him. And if they ever broke up, he would be the one to walk away because she never will. She's like, you are the one. I've never found anyone like you. So that was a really cool read on their relationship from a tarot aspect. I don't know. I don't know. And I've said it before. I kind of do want an engagement because um, I just think we've seen Taylor single and dating for so long. This would be a cool, I don't know. I just like view celebrities as characters. So like this would be a cool new thing to happen. All I know is by the end of February, you can bet your bottom dollar something will happen and it's either an engagement or breakup. So let's place our bets. Okay, something I want to talk about now is some tea on Miranda Kerr, the famous Victoria's Secret model who dated Orlando Bloom and is now dating Snapchat founder Evan Spiegel. No, they're they're married. I'm just listening back to this now. They're married. 
I think that's how you say his last name. So somebody over in the Reddit, there's a thread there where people drop topic suggestions. And I will say, if I haven't done it, it's because I haven't watched it. Like, I don't know anything about Vanderpump Rules, so I want to start watching that so I can do blinds. But somebody was asking for blinds on the Victoria's Secrets models. And I was like, let's go. I would also be curious to know this. I looked up Candace Swanepoel, nothing except for her husband cheating on her, which is insane that Candace Swanepoel could be cheated on, but whatever. Then I was like, let me look up Miranda Kerr. And we know that she dated Orlando Bloom, and there was a little bit of drama of her and Justin Bieber allegedly hooking up, and then Selena Gomez and Orlando Bloom hooking up, and then Orlando Bloom and Justin Bieber getting into a fist fight. And I was always like, no way. Like, Justin Bieber looked like a child when he performed at the Victoria's Secret fashion show. There's no way Miranda Kerr would hook up with him. All of the blinds say that she has, and all of the blinds paint a very, I don't know how you would describe it, just like a picture of Miranda Kerr's life where I'm like, I want this to be an HBO series and I wanna watch it. Because allegedly, Miranda Kerr is a yacht girl. This is something that has been basically kind of confirmed in um, Emily Ratajkowski's memoir, which if you haven't listened to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club Girls episode on that, you absolutely should. And it was either in their episode or Patreon, but somewhere in that memoir, she mentions that a Australian model with blue eyes and famous dimples, aka Miranda Kerr, was out with like a very wealthy billionaire. And, you know, it just had that air of yacht about it. Well, I started looking into it and all of the blinds were like, Miranda Kerr is the girl with the highest yacht prices around. And there were these interesting articles too. She dated this Malaysian businessman. I, I hope I don't butcher the name. Lao Tak Jo in 2014. This was in between her 2013 divorce from Orlando Bloom and when she got married to the Snapchat founder. And when they broke up, she got million worth of jewelry from him just in gifts alone. One of the pieces of jewelry was an 8.8 carat pink diamond pendant. And it was like involved in these lawsuits. She had to like return it to like, I don't know, the Department of Malaysia. Just like look it up online anyway, because apparently he bought the jewelry with like government funds. So then she had to return some of the jewelry, but some of it she didn't return. It was just like all of this crazy drama. And that's not a blind. That's like a news article you can look up. This is where the blinds and the rumors, you know, come in. Allegedly, she was making so much yachting that when she started dating Snapchat founder Evan Spiegel, he was like, hey, if you, you know, I want us to get married. And she was like, look, I make a million dollars a month doing this or like 1.2 million. And then he was like, I will pay you a million dollars a month to be my wife. This is all alleged. This is all internet rumors and gossip um, other than the jewelry thing. But I just thought that was crazy. Anyway, then I went down a rabbit hole where I started looking at pictures of Miranda Kerr. I was like, this is the most beautiful woman I've seen in my entire life. I would probably also pay a million dollars a month to be with her. Um, So who knows? Shout out to her. Shout out to Cora Organics. But that was interesting because I had not read blinds like that before. Okay, lastly, somebody wanted to talk about the do drama. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably already saw this, but uh, Dumois has come out with their own podcast, Do You, and I listened to the first episode, and it was with Enti, and Enti had actually messaged me on um, TikTok, and he was like, hey, I just did Dumois' podcast, and I like shouted you out in it, and I was like, oh my god, that's so sweet. This is the area that he shouted me out. 
Oh, and for context, I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows what Dumois is, but it's this Instagram account with over a million followers, and it does blind items um, that are crowdsourced, so people will write them in, and Dumois will post them on their Instagram account. And anyway, they're anonymous, so they have a voice kind of filter changer on. So let me play this clip. And then, you know, I did a podcast episode a couple weeks ago, and it was just aired yesterday uh, for Fluently Forward. And I made very clear in that I, because I said, you know, I I love Dumois. I Why they, think they that she's asked really you sweet. About me? And no, I was just I was talking about they asked the, the question about you know crowdsourced gossip oh. or whatever. I said I love Dumois. Anyway, so that was basically it. It was pretty short. And I listened to the episode. I'm like, let's go. And I went to go check the Dumas Instagram page. And I was like, oh, my God, it's not coming up. Like, I wonder if some, like, lawsuit happened with celebrities. And then I was like, wait, have I been blocked? So I went on one of my other accounts. And I was like, oh, shit, they blocked the Fluently Forward account. Anyway, which, you know, I'll be honest, I I deserved it. I talk shit. I deserve to get hit. I think in my Kaler episode, somebody mentioned, I've said before that, like, I find Dumois a little sus just because I've been burned by their blind items before. You know, I collect blind items from all over, and the Dumois ones typically turn out to not be true. So I just feel like I'd been burned. I didn't really trust the validity. I'll say, like, I feel like 80% of everything on Crazy Days and Nights is true, and I'd say, like, 30% of the Dumois stuff is true. And I also think it's a little bit weird how they do celeb sightings, but, like, they're anonymous. But anyway... I don't hate Dumont because here's the thing. You can't really hate an anonymous person. Like, who is there to hate? Black and white text, you know? Like, I just think the validity is a little off. That being said, I'm down to go to war. Actually, hold on. Let me speak in a way that Dumont would understand. Hi, bitch. I hope you understand me now with this distorted voice. But if you want to go to war, we can fucking go to war. All right, I will claim NT and Fluently Ford will be coming for your Instagram ass, okay? You might have 1.3 million followers. I think that was it. I can't really see because I'm blocked. But my army of 5,000 can certainly catch up. Sparta only needed 300, okay? So if you want to go, bitch, the gloves are off, okay? I think we need to meet each other at Carbone and get into a knife fight. And then, one of your, and then one of your followers can look at it and type it into you as a sighting, and then you can post it, and then we can see what happens and take it from there. No, no I'm kidding, obviously. I, I don't want to have beef with anyone. I think Dumas fine. Here's the thing, too. I was listening to, um, they have Do You, but then they also have, like, it was another Spotify show, and I had started listening to it, like, two days before I found out I was blocked. They had Benny Drama on, and I thought it was great. The voice changer was, like, a little hard to listen to, but it just kind of made it funny. Anyway, so go check out their podcast. They are now beating us in the charts, and they probably will forever. But you know what? Check it out. It's Do You, and he was on the first one. And, you know, I'm just here for good content, so I'm excited to see what happens. And Dumois, I'm sorry for whatever I said about you. Okay, there we go. This is like a fucking long one this week. Thank you for sticking around to the end if you were able to stay all the way here. And I'm very excited. Next week, um, I'll give you a little preview that's going to be Glee Blind Items. Um, We're going to be going over the curse of the Glee cast and everything that happened with it. And we're going to be featuring two very special guests, Claire and Ashley from Celebrity Memoir Book Club. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.